Isn't it funny how we all start off with a plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we are forced, or maybe we choose, to pivot into something entirely different? Well, this is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they handle these unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you these stories in order to help you move closer to your dreams, no matter what they look like. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thank you again for taking the time out of your day to sit down with me and my special guest today, who is Jeff Rose. Now, Jeff and I first met because we were in the same men's group, and we bumped into each other first a couple months ago, and I saw that he was walking around with a Canon camera, and just by the looks of it, I knew that whoever that was must be a YouTuber, and so we kind of hit it off right off the bat. And I'm super excited to be bringing Jeff to you guys today because he has a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience that he's going to share with you all. Jeff um, is a certified financial planner, and he is a CEO of Alliance Wealth Management. He used to serve in the National Guard. He did that for nine years and actually served in Iraq uh, in combat. And now he has a blog. It's called Good Financial Sense. Dot com and he's also written several books. So he's a terrific writer. He's really, really knowledgeable. And you can find him on social media at J Jeff Rose on Instagram. He also has an awesome YouTube channel that I think a lot of you would find helpful and useful. And you can just type in Jeff Rose. You'll find him. Um, his blog is goodfinancialsense.com. And he also has a personal one, jeffrose.com. So without further ado, let's just jump right into this one with Jeff Rose. <music> I am here with Jeff Rose, certified financial planner and friend of mine. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the coffee. Yeah. yeah. I should thank Sean, right? I appreciate you driving up to meet us. I've gotten to know you decently well over the past couple of months. We've had a couple of meetings, and I've been impressed by uh, who you are and, and who you've shared with me about who you are. Um, you have four kids. Are you? Did you grow up in Illinois? You, I know you're half Filipino, but I would love to hear kind of your background, upbringing, all that good stuff. You know? Yeah. Um, it's it's funny. I was actually born in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, my father was originally from Illinois and moved out to California after college, after the Army for a little bit, living with some buddies, selling cars. I think actually it was used cars. Uh, met my mom at a bowling alley, I believe. Nice. And uh, had me, and uh, they end up not making it as a, uh, a married couple. So uh, they divorced. He moved back to Illinois, and I moved back with him. So pretty much was raised in Illinois, but I would visit my mom in California every summer and every other Christmas. Gotcha. And uh, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about not <laughs> getting divorced was um, I always told everybody we had a, a my parents had a good divorce. You know, I never really saw them fight. You know, I got to visit my mom in California, but there really isn't such thing as a good divorce. You know, as I've recognized, I've gotten older, but uh, I end up moving to live with my mom in high school. Uh, moved back to Illinois to graduate, moved back really? to California to go to college, joined the Army National Guard in California, got tired of the 405 <laughs> and living uh, in L.A. and moved back to Illinois. Wow. Yeah. it was, uh, And that was just because I had – I didn't know wh where I wanted to be. You know, I just had a lot of mixed emotions and um, didn't have parents that were willing to say, hey, this is probably the best for you. You know, when I said I wanted to move to California, I never got challenged on that. Like, I was 16 years old. Like, I didn't know what the heck I wanted. Right. <laughs> I was trying to find something that I couldn't find. Um, but, you know, I'm thankful for the experience. You know, I'm thankful that I got a chance to go from a 
high school, a graduating class of like 120 to a high school that had like 5,000. In L.A.? In L.A., yeah. I mean, this is like in the Valley, too, uh, San Fernando Valley. But uh, it was just a culture shock um, going to a school that big and going to the same school that uh, Ice Cube and Lisa Kudrow. No way. (laughs) I don't know who Lisa Kudrow is. Uh, Friends. Friends. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that was like the the claim to fame, I guess, of that school. And now Jeff Rose. Now Jeff Rose, right. (laughs) That's great. Wait, so you – Obviously, divorce is bad for a lot of people, but you brought that up because of the instability of having to go back and forth, or you wish you had just a, a more dominant father figure, mother figure to kind of direct you. Yeah, because it's, uh, you know, it was the divorce happened, and it was just something that, it's the only thing that I knew, and it was never really talked about. You know, my my, my dad passed away. Uh, there's just a lot of things I didn't know about that backstory of what led to that, you know, and just something I'm really passionate about with my kids is just not being afraid to share like vulnerability and actually not, I'm not going to share everything with them. You know, I want to make sure that they can understand, you know, certain things, but, uh, just part of my story so that they can relate and just know that their dad is not perfect. And, you know, there's thing about grace and that's why God forgives us, you know, for everything that we do. Um, and just being vulnerable with them just so that they will be vulnerable with me, you know, sharing some of the struggles they have growing up. That's really, really cool. You have four kids. We have four. And you've adopted. We have a, our daughter is adopted. How are those dynamics? Um, three boys that are our boys. I mean, it is a WWE wrestling <laughs> match like every, every day. Yeah. Um, and you, you always know when they go upstairs to play basketball, we have like little full court, um, I mean, little tight basketball goals. Now my wife, Mandy, just mounted two little mini goals on both walls. And, I mean, it sounds like a wrestling match, you know, and somebody's going to come down crying within 15 <laughs> minutes because somebody's going to get elbowed or kneed or oh, uh, yeah. just part of the territory. And our daughter, she's four now. She'll go up and play with them and thinks that she's just one of the guys. You know, she's tiny, <laughs> but uh, she can definitely hang her own. And she is by far the loudest really? of the four. Oh, my gosh, yes. She's, she's screaming? Or just, you... Even, like, she just has a certain volume level, and yeah. it just never goes below, like, seven and a half, even when she's just talking. Yeah, gosh. And you're you're half Filipino, and we were just talking, your daughter is adopted from the Philippines. Was that intentional or coincidental? Um. It was intentional, but the whole funny thing about the whole adoption thing was we had just had our third son, Sloan. Uh, I want to say he was maybe six months old. I came home from work, uh, put my keys on the counter, and then Mandy said to me, hey, I need to talk to you about something. And immediately assumed, like probably every husband does, like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, never good. <laughs> I screwed up. Oh, crap. I'm going ha- to have it. And it was almost immediately she just blurted out. She's like, hey. I'm thinking about adopting and us doing it from the Philippines. And keep in mind that up until then, and we've got three kids, we've been married for, let's say, eight, nine years or so. Never once had we ever talked about adoption. Wow. Not one single time was it ever even brought up as like an afterthought or like, hey, what do you think about adoption? Like never even had a conversation about it. So for me to come home and her mentioned that like, as, a, as an idea, uh, completely took me off guard. And I think as any good Christian husband would say, uh, not wanting to say no and like turn down the idea, I just said, hey, well, maybe we, let's just pray about it, <laughs> which basically was like, I need some time <laughs> to digest what you just said. And um, I, I think I sat on it for a day. I was like, you know what? If this is what you're calling, you know, if, if God's leading you in this, like I, I support it. Now, I will say I said that verbally, but I my heart, I was maybe 50% there. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, like, our son was six months old, and the thought was, like, man, if, why adopt? Like, if we want to have another kid, we'll just have another kid. But it was the, the Philippines. And when she said that, that definitely intrigued me just because my mom's Filipino. Um, you know, she speaks Tagalog, you know, the Filipino language. I don't speak any Tagalog whatsoever. I like pork adobo, which is a, a common Filipino dish, like, by far. Have you ever had pork adobo? Pork, is that? No. Are, or is adobo, that pork adobo? Well, adobo, I guess, would be kind of like the sauce. You okay. know, so you can do chicken adobo, pork Sounds adobo. Sounds delicious. It's freaking amazing. Mandy actually makes it now. Like, this is this year has been, like, her uh, her year of cooking. Um, I've been married for 14 years. She's, I mean, she has cooked. I don't want to, like, say no, she hasn't. You. But she'll admit, like, it's never been her thing. Now she, like, we actually had pork adobo just the other night. I'm like, I'm loving life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I have no idea. I got so distracted on on adobo. Philippines, Philippines. So <laughs> when she suggested that, like that was the the intrigue for me, because you know if you see my like Parker, all my boys. I mean, they're a little bit lighter than me. You know, they're losing some of that Filipino look. You know, and they don't know any Tagalog because they don't hear their dad's dad speaking it. And you know, my mom lives in Las Vegas now, so they see her like maybe twice a year. So I just thought, man, this is a cool connection back to my heritage, you know, for, for them, for me and for everyone. So, um, that's when I said, all right, let's, let's do it. I had never heard of the word Tagalog before you just said it. So now I know that's the language, that's the native language of the Philippines. It's the main, in the main islands, like in Manila. Uh, but then like, which I didn't even know this until we adopted uh, our daughter. So we adopted her from Iloilo and they speak a, a different form. Uh, and it's uh, a Longo, which I had no idea. I'm like, how many different languages can the Philippines have? You know, yeah. it's like, um, and I guess there's other languages depending on what island you're from. But yeah, so Tagalog is the most common language. How offensive would it be if I said oh, he speaks Filipino? I don't think, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't think people would take offense to it. Is, is that a language? No. no. Okay, Mm-mm. good Good to know. The, right. Then you they would obviously know you know nothing about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So I've heard you talk that you were a college dropout. Is that? That's true. I was, yeah. It's funny because so my dad, um, he dropped out of college, uh, didn't end up getting his degree until, I want to say he was like 55, 60 years old. I remember I was in the eighth grade, graduating eighth grade when he got his college degree. And, you know, one of the things any father wants his better, you know, for his son to do better. And, you know, that was his big dream for me was to go to college right out of high school and, you know, get my degree. And then... So I mentioned I was going back and forth, and I had uh, I was living in California with my mom, and we we just my mom and I we were just too similar. We just were button heads and not getting along. We just would fight about anything, just the littlest things. And I went to go enroll to school, and I uh, had to pay for tuition, and I didn't. Oh, I had my mom's credit card to pay for tuition, you know, and it had her name on it. So I went to pay; they wouldn't accept it. And, and I was going to Santa Monica community college, which is about 18 miles from my house. But you know, with the 405, it's like anywhere from 30 minutes to like four hours. Exactly. So I had to come back and pay and I didn't come back the next day because I'm 18 years old and I'm lazy and I'll come back whenever I can do it. And I forget how long it was when I came back to pay, all my classes had closed. No. And I was just, and I remember in that moment, like I was mad at the school. I was mad at my mom, like accepting no responsibility for myself. And they told me that if you want to get back in, you you can go around to all the classes, ask the teacher to be on the waiting list. So I tried that. And then 
signed up for a few waiting, uh, waiting classes, went to my car, and sure enough, there's a parking ticket on my car. And like, no. I'm, a, I'm a broke, draw, I mean, not even a college student, no. I'm, a, I'm a broke high school <laughs> graduate. And this parking ticket, and I can remember in that moment just thinking, screw this, like, I'm not going. To and college. To college. Like, I, I, I quit. Like, that, that was my sign of, like, I'm not going to college, you know. Wow. So, I didn't. I didn't go. And I remember uh, calling my dad and letting him know. And and then I'll give him this. Like, he didn't bash me. You know, he didn't scold me. Or he just – but I could tell, like, he was disappointed. I mean, he was – because that was his biggest fear that – I mean, he never told me this, but I, I, I would guess, like, his biggest fear that his son would turn out like him. You know, that – kind of just went in between jobs, never really had a career and uh, struggled with money his entire life. So didn't go to college. And if I recall, I think my mom got me a job working at her company. She just worked for uh, Applause, which was like a stuffed animal company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she got me a job doing data entry. Wait, can, can I pause you and just yeah. guess how they spelled Applause? <laughs> Is it A-P-P-L-A? Is it like pause? P-A-W-S? I don't. I don't no. know. I don't know why I found that intriguing. I, just, <laughs> I was hoping for a play on words there. Um, that would have been really cool, <laughs> but I don't think they did. Okay, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. You were going on an important topic. So uh, data entry. Data entry. Eight hours a day, and I'm like, I don't know if you know the ten key on a computer, but like right hand all day long, just hitting numbers. Eight hours a day, uh, hating, hating life, hating life. And as I mentioned, my mom and I were getting along and it just, it was a dark period in my life. You know, I, I got into drugs and was doing, you know, first it was pot, then it started escalating a little bit and hanging out with people just weren't doing good. And I actually remember coming home, uh, checking my email and one of my really good friends back in Illinois had emailed me and was concerned. And it was like, I don't think I ever had a friend that was concerned like up until this moment. And I think they knew that I was just doing some drugs and they were concerned. And like, I remember the email saying something like, man, we're just, we're just worried about you, you know, like just dropping out of school and we know you're doing drugs. And, and I, I just hope that, you know, you can figure that out. And I remember reading that email and I was high mm-hmm. reading that email. And I remember it just really sunk in like, man, where, what am I doing with my life right now? Like, where am I going? So at some point in time, that's when I decided that I was going to join the army national guard. Mm-hmm. And I had some friends back in Illinois that had joined the guard and, um, my dad was in the army for like two years. So like I always knew that he was a hundred first airborne and, and it was just like a thing I had to do for myself. And actually the, the, the biggest motivator was when I told my mom the idea, she was, she didn't like it. She didn't want me to go. And so that gave me even, even more inspiration and motivation to do it because we were just button heads. I'm like, all right, you don't want me to do it. Fine. Then I'm going to do it. Wow. So, um, and I joined the guard and I mean, it's, it's what I needed. You know, it was a kick in the butt that I needed uh, to go and just, you know, the discipline, uh, just the, the routine and just mat- the maturity that I didn't have. And that was actually one of the most exciting calls that I've made when, when I called my dad to let him know that I was joining the guard. And he was happy. Oh, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was happy. He was proud. Hmm. So that turned into, was that? 1997 that turned in nine nine years of service Is yeah that- so i ended up doing the guard for uh for nine years you know and initially it was all just to pay for school um and also to spite my mom <laughs> but then uh so when you sign up you only have to do six years like that's like your initial commitment that will get all your schooling paid for but i enjoyed it so much um because it um through that transition you know graduating college started as a financial advisor so i was wearing like a shirt and tie every single day 
And the guard was like that one week in a month where I was like getting away, getting get, putting my camouflage on, like going out in the field, hanging out with guys, telling stories, you know, camping out kind of a thing. So I ended up reenlisting for another three. All my other friends that had joined, you know, they joined for the college benefits. They got out and they're like, why are you staying in? I'm like, I, I like it. You know, I enjoyed it. And this is after 9-11. So uh, sure enough, after I think I'd, nine months into my reenlistment is when we got the notification that I was being called up. Really? And uh, so that's when I'm like, crap, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have reenlisted. Wow. So, uh, yeah, the one wow. week in a month, two weeks in the summer turned into a 17-month deployment to Iraq. Wow. Um, and that was just a, a whole, I guess, the next phase, next chapter of the life. And I was, so I was a financial advisor. I had started off, was doing that for about two and a half years when I got called up before I left. Wow. Sorry, that was like a huge story. like timeline gap, right? No, it's it's a it's an amazing story, and this show is all about people who have shifted careers. And so you went from essentially doing the National Guard on the weekends to a seventeen month tour, to then you came back, and I mean that's seventeen months is a substantial amount of time. How yeah. did you transition from that to? You went straight into financial advising or what? So I was a, I had been an advisor for about two years before I left. Yeah. So came back and they, they saved the position for me. I had a, an advisor there that was taking care of the clients I had uh, while I was gone. Um, but to answer the question, like, you know, how did I transition back? Counseling, hmm. uh, time, prayer. Uh, Mandy and I had got married November before I was deployed in January. What? That wasn't initially planned. Uh, the, the, I had planned to propose to her in January. Uh, we were going to go on a cruise. Like, we had, had it all lined up. This is before I got uh, activated or know that we are going to be uh, deployed. So then we just kind of sped that up and uh, went to go visit my mom, who had uh, moved from L.A. to Las Vegas, and uh, went to go visit her over Thanksgiving. And uh, Manny's parents came along, and we talked about it, but we hadn't decided yet. But, like, you know, you're in Vegas. What are you doing? What are you doing? You get married, right? You got married in Vegas? So we got married in Vegas. Wow. Um, yeah, we almost got married at the uh, Little White Chapel. It was the same place that Britney Spears got married, you know, for her three-day, I think. Oh, first, I didn't even know she was married. Uh, but she was married for, like, year. three days. Okay, Yeah, gotcha. it was that Makes one. Sense. So it was the same place that she got married. And uh, Mandy's dad was like, hey, I, we end up ha asking his blessing then. Yeah, uh, at In-N-Out Burger in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, Good uh, memories. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I'm an In-N-Out Burger fanatic, so yeah. it definitely ties into the whole story. <laughs> uh, he's like, he gave us his blessing, and um, but he's like, listen, I'm, I won't give you the blessing, but I'm not going to let you get married at Little White Chapel. So we ended up getting married at the top of the stratosphere uh, in Vegas. Pretty sweet location. Yeah, it was, that was cool. Um, but the agreement was that after we got after I got back from Iraq that we would have a – a ceremony with a big reception, all that. So, so we ended up doing that after in July after I got back. Wow. That's crazy. Sean and I doesn't even compare to this, but our first six months of marriage, the, the morning after we got married, we flew to Oakland to start my time training with the Raiders. And then she had to leave Oakland to start this three or four month tour that she was going on mm -hmm. for gymnastics. Uh, they do it after every Olympics. And so we really didn't see each other for like five or six months following our, our wedding. Like yeah. we, we would see each other maybe once every three weekends for a day, but yours is next level than that. That's, that's pretty crazy. It's tough. It's tough. It, it was hard. Um, <clears throat> it was really hard because when I left, 
uh, I was living in a house with three other dudes. Uh, Mandy had moved in, and we were we had the master of this house that we were renting. So I come back to all my friends had graduated and moved on. We actually bought a house while I was in Iraq. Uh, it was because a family friend was selling it. It was like the perfect start uh, start house. Our dog had got killed <laughs> while I was deployed, uh, oh but gosh. she got a new boxer while I was gone, and uh, so I left. You know, the the thing is you just forget about, like, when you leave for that long, like, you just have the memories of where you were, right? It's almost like you put that life on pause. But when you come back, you realize, like, it, it's been playing the whole time while you've been gone. Yeah. So having to come back to a new house, new dog. Wow. Um, you know, my Mandy had just started working, and she went for being a – she was in grad school, like, got her MBA. Now she's got a job, and so she's, like, career woman, and, and now, like, She's been independent, you know, she's basically self-remodeled. Like, that's how she got into home decor because, like, she had all this time on her hands, like, to paint and just do all these things. And now she's got this guy who is, like, a stranger in the bed that's, like, not cleaning the dishes that she has to do laundry for now. Like, it was just weird strangers, and we had to, like, relearn who we who we were. And for me, I'm Jeff Rose. I'm, like, funny, goofy, make stupid jokes. And for 17 months, I had to become Staff Sergeant Rose. You know, I was a squad leader. I had nine guys underneath me, which was like a new thing for me. So when I got, when I got back home, like when I wanted man to do something, it was like, hey, I need you to do that. You know, like very drill sergeant. Yeah. You do that, no questions asked. Otherwise, uh, you're going to do push-ups or something. And I uh, realized like that didn't work when I got home. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just got the stink uh, eye. <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh my gosh, that, that that would not be fun. Yeah, um, but man, we it, we almost didn't make it. I mean, it was tough, and we went to counseling for I think over the next ninety days, and just to kind of just unpack everything and just mm-hmm. relearn who we were, and it was hard, you know, because I just went, I was in combat, like I was, you know, combat veteran. Like, what do I need counseling for? Like, that's weak. Like, you're weak if you need counseling. And yeah. finally, was able to like push through that, and now I'm grateful that I did. And anyway. It's so it's so strange to me how therapy has this um, stigma attached to it, where it's negative or for the weak. It's like you know, being a football player. That's definitely how a lot of my peers see therapy. But when Sean and I were getting married, we did premarital counseling, and that was the most valuable. We did it was just two days for us, and we sat down and talked to this guy for it, I think it was like twelve hours the first day, thirteen hours the second day. And it laid the foundation for how we viewed each other, how we communicated to each other. And then also just like understanding the background of the other person is, is so, so important and it, it helps you grow in appreciation. So yeah, it's funny too, when, when Sean and I were apart for six months, we were always like, we would just pray like, Hey Lord, pray that we just have a season after this where we spend time together. And so actually after that first year of marriage, which is tough because we never saw each other, the next year of marriage was we never left each other's side, which is also difficult sometimes. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, but if you don't mind pausing and talking about your wife, because she's she's also, as you said, a career woman. She's gotten into a space similar to yours. She does blogging and vlogging. Tell what is t- tell us about Mandy. Yeah, so uh, Mandy, you know, she was a, a career woman, you know, working the, the nine to five, and then. When I started my blog, uh, she had started a family blog, you know, just to share pictures of Parker, our, uh, our first son, and just to share that with family like mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, new moms do. And then I think whenever I got to the point where I was actually making money from the blog, 
it just intrigued her like, well, I, I can do that. So then it became like a, like a lifestyle type blog, you know? So, and, and <laughs> this is so cheesy, but I think it was as a birthday gift. So she had a, a, a blogger, you know, house rose dot blogspot dot com for the longest time. And for a birthday present, I bought her house of rose blog.com nice. and bought a WordPress theme and had it like already live, you know, it's like, she, she could just log in and start doing it. Yeah. That's when you know it's like true love, right? When you get your wife a domain and a, wow. and a, a, a theme, a WordPress theme. Wow. Take notes. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, so she started and then, you know, she started making money and doing that. And then for a while she started a, a, a subscription box service called happy mommy box with another uh, mommy blogger. And they did that for a year, maybe even longer. And it was one of those times where, like, it was – I can't remember the exact numbers, but, I mean, it was it was making over six figures, like, really quick, really quick. And it got to the point where it's either they got to scale this thing and grow it huge or they don't, and they end up shutting it down. Hmm. And at that time, like, our youngest son had some behavioral stuff, like, that he was dealing with. And I think she was really feeling – just conflicted, you know, man, do I need to focus on this, the business or like focus on my family? So she, she take a, took a major step back. I was still blogging, but we, they shut that down. Um, and then, uh, so she spent time with Sloan and then we ended up getting our daughter. Uh, and she just wanted to make sure that she was present, you know, because our first two kids, they went to daycare, um, for the most part. And then with Sloan, like he had a, had an incident at the daycare, uh, that, uh, you know, he was just mis, uh, mistreated. So I think there's a lot of guilt in that, you know, as a mom. So she's just like, man, I, I only have one chance to do this, you know, to be a mom and be there mm. at this age. So she's taking some time back. Um, I don't think she's published a blog post in a while, yeah. but, uh, she's on Instagram. Like that's her, uh, her thing, you know, Instagram, Instagram stories, uh, at house of Rose. If you want to check that out. Nice. And, uh, so, but with YouTube, like she, she's had a YouTube channel. She really hasn't done much with it. So now we've been doing more like family, uh, family vlogs and just like yeah. fun games and um, challenge, like kind of like do perfect type stuff, you know, with uh, with the family. So that's been a lot of fun. You know, like she she sees how passionate and exciting about YouTube and our kids. Like that's like their that's their language. Uh, not so much like finance YouTube, but more like uh, Fortnite YouTube. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah. it's just. But she's like she's really excited that we're doing this stuff together and our kids can be a part of it and you know just kind of give them some entrepreneurial type type lessons. So. Have a yeah. lot of fun with it. The way your certified financial planning looks now is dramatically different than what it looked like when you're first starting off. Can you walk us through the progression of how you worked to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, you, you as a financial advisor, your main goal is to bring on new clients. You know, anything you can do to do that, cold calling, seminars, direct mail, networking, uh, all that stuff. And that's like the goal. Like most every advisor wants to grow their assets and the clients and how much, what your production is. It's just like all these little vanity things, you know? And then, um, I ended up leaving the firm I started with and I went, was called independent where I didn't have like a big New York firm backing me, but that allowed me to market myself a little bit differently. So I think that was almost like five years into becoming an advisor, went quote unquote independent with three other guys and then uh, I ended up reading this magazine that talked about how if you really want to stand out from every other advisor out there, you need to start a blog. And I remember reading that, that, that article, and I was like, yes, that's what I need to do. But then I thought, man, what, what, what is a blog? Because <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> this is the time like I was not on social media. like I didn't have Facebook, was not on MySpace. Yep. Like, this is when MySpace was still a thing, and Facebook was like you know uh, catching up. But uh, 
I, I did some research and found out what a blog was. So I ended up starting the blog in 2008, having no idea about anything about blogging or online marketing or anything for that matter. And then um, all of a sudden, like I figured it out and networked with some other bloggers and was getting new clients because of the blog. Kind of the cool thing, like the, the first client I ever got from the blog was like a $2 million client, which was like actually the biggest client I'd ever had. Wow. So I'm like all because they did a Google search and found my blog. I'm like, this is awesome. But then I find or I network or just, I guess, through online, you know, how the online world works. I met a guy who was a, uh, a veteran. He was in the Air Force, was deployed the exact same year that I was. And he had two personal finance sites that he was running. And we just, you know, connected over email. Uh, and then we ended up talking on the phone for the first time. Um, I don't remember the first time he shared this with me, but eventually basically shared with me how much he was making from his blogs. And I remember like it was yesterday because I was driving, I was in my car driving This is before hands-free was like required. Um, and I remember him telling me that he was making $40,000 a month from his sites. And when he said that, I about ran off the road because I was oblivious to it. Like it was just a world I didn't know. Yeah. So then I just became really intrigued about that whole concept. So then you know, I threw on Google AdSense, you know, on the blog and uh, the very first a uh, check I received from Google was a hundred and fifty-two dollars, and I forgot the, the I think it's nineteen yes, cents or eighty. Yes. I have a picture of it, right? But like it was such a, a defining moment because it's like I I did something and I got a check from Google, and it just began this journey of wanting to create this online business. So and I, so I was doing both, but I wasn't putting as much emphasis on the practice, the financial planning practice. I was still growing it because just through word of mouth and clients and, and networking, like once you get established, like it's hard not to grow unless you're just bad, mm-hmm. you know, but like I always did a good job servicing my clients and I was passionate about that. So, but I spent all this time also growing the blog and just learning that whole aspect. And, um, you know, $152 turned into like $200 and 500 and a thousand. Then I remember uh, getting like $5,000, like one month just from AdSense. And I'm like, this is huge. You know I mean? But um, how the whole securities, uh, how financial services work, like if you have certain licenses, it makes it hard to publish a lot because you got like compliance, you got all these things you got to go through. So I ended up uh, shifting my business structure and dropping what's called the Series 7 license. And then I dropped it. I dropped it. Wow. And started my own um, registered investment advisory firm. And (laughs) <laughs> for people to do that, like for advisors to do that, like they don't just do that. Cause like, that's a lot of work, you know, to get you, your series seven, uh, series seven is, is a, a big thing and just to drop it. But then to actually have to start a new business <laughs> and get everything like, you know, sub the LLC and change your phone lines and get a new logo a new stationary and just all this stuff. And when I had to tell my clients why I was doing it and the reason is because of the blog. Because I wanted to be able to publish a blog post when I wanted to publish it and say what I wanted to say. Mm. Because there were so many things I couldn't say because I always had to be fair and balanced. You know, I couldn't have an opinion about anything. So it was, I was just trapped like in this, uh, this box and I just didn't like it at all. So I made a shift. Um, and that was another big decision because... There was uh, some part of my business I had to give up. And at the time, it was like almost $40,000 a year that I would just be letting go, you know? And I don't remember exactly how much I was making, but like, you know, just to give up $40,000 a year just because, you know, that was uh, 
it wasn't a big deal for me, more so for my wife. You know, she was a little concerned. It's like, what if they don't, what if your clients don't want to like come on board and everything? But sure enough, like, you know, made the switch. And then, I mean, that 40,000 was made up like in no time. And then just continue to focus on the online biz. And um, it's kind of cool now because that was, well, that was back in 2011. And as of this year, you know, I'm no longer a practicing financial advisor. So I sold the business. I'm out. And now it's everything I'm doing is fully the blog, YouTube, uh, courses. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an internet marketer now. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's, I love it. You know, it's just been a fun transition. Um, why are you so passionate about finances you've dedicated your whole life to it and creating content on a daily basis around that what yeah tell me about just your relationship to it you know for me it all goes back to to my dad you know as I mentioned you know college dropout but also with him as well uh, he struggled with debt you know his entire life and the story I share at times so he had like his computer room his his this computer desk and next to it he had this little white sheet of paper that he would replace every single month. But this little white sheet of paper had a list of all the credit card debt that he had on all the different credit cards. Mm. And every single month he was trying to shuffle, how am I going to take a cash advance on this card to pay off this one? Wow. I mean, this went on for as long as I could remember. And I didn't really understand like how bad he how, how much he struggled with debt until I became a financial advisor and started working with other clients and just seeing their financial picture. Then it made me start thinking like, man, like what does my dad's financial picture look like? And, and I knew it wasn't pretty. And I, I contribute, I mean, I ended up losing him. Um, you know, he was uh, 67 years of age and, you know, had a, had a heart attack. And I contribute a lot of that, of the stress that he had having to try to figure out how to pay off this debt and how to make the payments of every, the house that we bought in the eighth grade when he remarried, the house was $8,000. What? <laughs> so this is living in Southern Illinois. Uh, I mean, definitely need a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, $8,000. Wow. But here, here's the best part. He couldn't even afford to buy that house. He had to borrow money from his ex-wife, my mom. Wow. To get the house, or I don't have to pay the house in full or the down payment. I mean, just think about that. Like, you have to go to your ex wife yeah. to borrow money to buy a house with your new wife. I mean, um, so a lot, of, it was just recognizing like all of that. And that's when I became, I think it was a combination of that and then getting started as a financial advisor and just uh, having all these meetings with people that had a similar story that just hadn't saved, hadn't invested because no one ever took the time to show them. And um, I just remember common excuses of hearing, you know, I didn't save enough. You know, I wish I would have, wish I would have saved more. I wish I would have started earlier. Like mm -hmm. I kept hearing that over and over again. And I thought like, I don't want, one, that's not going to be me. And two, like, I want to make sure that other people don't end up like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that started as a financial advisor, like helping people. And then it was just like, how do I reach more people? You know, so I was doing like local seminars. I, I taught like a local investment class. But then when I discovered the blog and I truly understood like that potential reach, then it was like, wow, this is awesome. Like I could publish something and it could, you know, a hundred people could read it or a thousand people can read it. And, uh, that's just when I got really excited about it. Yeah. Do you feel like you still have the relationship that you used to like as a CFP, um, when you're practicing, um, do you still get that type of relationship when you're publishing these articles online and hearing the feedback and, oh, man, this, this article really made a difference. Do you feel that? Like, is that important to you to have that relationship? 
It is. You know, like what I don't get, like a lot of what the financial planning is like, you get really technical, you know, and really like advanced, like estate planning type stuff and, you know, advanced retirement type stuff, which is not going to really apply to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But what I still get is just between the, the questions that I get you know, from the blog and the YouTube comments, and just people reaching out to me. It's like, I get a lot of that, yeah. you know, so just seeing like those common struggles and questions that people have. I mean, they come in daily and it's like, I, I, so I feel like I still have a pulse on like what's going on and people are struggling with. And for the most part, like it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, people are still trying to figure out how to invest. I mean, I don't know where to get started. It's like, okay, well go do this. Well, I need help. Like, no, I just told you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but a lot of times people just need that reassurance, like making sure they don't do the wrong thing. And my, I always respond with that is listen, I go, anything that you start is not going, it's not going to be the right thing. You know, yeah. it might be, but it eventually you're going to learn just by doing. You know, you're not going to learn just if somebody does it for you and holds your hand. And I was sure, like, the first investments I made were just, they're pathetic. You know, they were, like, crappy mutual funds. But I was excited because I was investing for the first time. Yeah. And I started to learn more about it and realized, okay, like, there's better things out there. But you don't know until you do. Um, so, like, I just I just keep reinforcing people. Just take action. Do something. Yeah. I read um, I read that you lost $5,000 investing in penny stocks. Was that was that a Bitcoin investment? Or, tell me about that. <laughs> so this was, uh, I mean, it's actually, technically, I guess it was like insider trading because. Wow. Um, okay. Well, maybe we should get that out. But. Well, it's funny. So it was, uh, it was a client that came in with their daughter. And I guess the daughter's, I think it was boyfriend or fiance or maybe husband, I forget, was working for some company <laughs> that was like doing uh, oil drilling off the coast of Mexico. Yeah. And he's like, and he just mentioned it. It's like, hey, you know, like this is like, uh, what do you think about this stock? You know, I, I just picked up several thousand shares. So anyway, he shared that with me. So then I'm like, yeah, I'm, so I ended up picking some up. You know, I didn't, yeah. I don't think I told him, but, um, and I just didn't understand how penny stocks work. So I put in an order without putting a limit on the price. Oh, gosh. So what I thought was, so basically it was like, I, I thought I was buying, let's say, a 1,000 shares, like $1.50. Turns mm-hmm. out I ended up buying like maybe 100 shares of $1.50, but then the rest of the shares were executing like at 250 and 350 and 5 Right. And then by the time trying to sell, like the, the price was so inflated. So that's how it happened. So I learned a very very valuable lesson about uh, limit orders. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so it was a $5,000 lesson. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to have started off investing in penny stocks. It's just like it seems to be an easy entrance into the investing world. It's like, oh, well, I only have to spend – um, I can get a hundred shares and I only have to spend a hundred dollars or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, that's how I started off investing. And I found out real quick, it is the most stressful thing you can, because you'll watch it and you the, the elation that you feel when you, you know, it goes up 20% in three minutes and then the heartbreak that you feel when it tanks the next half hour, you're like, dude, I can't mm. even, don't mess with it. Yeah. Don't mess with it. So it's, it's crazy. Um, one thing you're talking about, you know, the, the relationship you have with your viewers. I always try to remind myself of being an, like being an internet marketer, which is essentially what Sean and I have done. Um, the content that you put out really makes differences in in like people's life. Like I I always have to remind myself, like, how is this going to be received by this person or maybe this person who has this experience? And um, being aware of the influence that that you have has been 
something that I've found really important because, you know, Sean, I've had the ability now to share a couple, um, vulnerable and from what I gather from like comments and, and the response, pretty impactful things. And it's so easy to just like boil all that down to the views you're getting yeah. or the comments or the likes. But I always try to remind myself, okay, this is making an impact either positive or negative, And I need to be uh, aware of that. And just from what I've seen of, of your content, you do a fantastic job at like providing really positive, impactful content. So hats off to you. I was surfing through your um, good financial sense, which that's not the company you sold, right? Um, that's still your, yeah, that's uh that's my main thing right now. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, there's so many nuggets of gold on there. You talk about, you know, the two things people always say are, I wish I would have saved more and I wish I start, wish I would have started saving earlier. Yeah. And then the money uprising, you call it mum, uh, 12, 12 principles. I believe I was reading through those just real quick. He says, never too late to get started. Feel free to take this over to me. I'll, I'll read it off. Yeah. Never, never too late to get started. Uh, we never become complacent. We always, or we know there's more than one right way to do things. We always trust, but verify. Um, we keep our debt in check, fool. Uh, we <laughs> I keep, got a picture of Mr. T there. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. uh, we get on, we keep on getting educated, <laughs> educated. Uh, we invest in ourselves because if we don't, who will? We never blame other people for our money struggles. We take care of our battle buddies. We call out our blue falcons. So ba- battle buddies are the people that are open and honest with you is that right that will that will say hey jeff you're not doing this right is that, is that yeah that was like the you know the military and the army you have a battle buddy in basic training and this guy yeah. knows everything about you like they know your background um just everything about you and they're also not afraid to call you out when mm-hmm. you need to hear it you know they're not just going to say yeah you need yeah like your cheerleader right i mean yeah you, they want you want somebody to support you but also they're willing to speak truth when you need to speak truth yeah so and the opposite of that would be the blue falcon yeah which is just people telling you what you want to hear, right? Uh, or or the the ones that, like, for example, they know if you're struggling with alcohol, another one's calling you up trying to get you to go to the bar. You know, like, they're just – they're not helping they feed, you yeah. grow as a person. They're just either keeping you stuck or making you go backwards. These are military terms? Battle buddies? Yeah. And, uh... Uh, Blue Falcon is uh, also uh, Bravo Foxtrot or – Buddy Fudger. <laughs> I got you. I yeah, saw yeah. that. On the so website, Blue Falcon yeah. is like the more, I guess, PG, uh, PG yeah. version of that. Um, but yeah, that's a, a term that we always used. Yeah. Uh, the 11th is we aren't afraid to fail. And then the last is we always give back. I think these are just fantastic. It's almost like the 12 commandments. <laughs> what are those? What, what, what inspired these? Is that kind of how you, is this the core values of how you operate with your financial advice? Yeah, it was, um, it's funny because when I first started the blog, I didn't have that, you know, and a lot of times people were asking me like, what do you stand for? Like, what do you believe? And, um, I just kind of sat down one day and just started like writing down like all these things, all these different principles. And eventually that's what I ended up coming up with, you know, and a lot of that is just life values, you know, like, um, life values, experiences, but also a lot of that plays into money. And, um, yeah, just, um, one I've added, I, I did something similar on the, uh, the wealth hacker lab site and, you know, maybe similar, but like just not in, not letting your past um, define like who you are today, like your past failures. You know, yeah. like that's another huge thing, um, especially for me, because I've, you know, talking about the penny stock and yeah. uh, something I've always just been very vulnerable sharing, like all the times I messed up, 
Yeah. You know, because I think that's important. You know, a lot of times people are like, they want to hide that stuff, and especially me. Like, I'm a certified financial planner trying to, at the time, get new business, trying to earn your trust as a client. Why in the world would I share that I lost $5,000, you know, with a penny stock? Like, yeah. okay, and I want to hire you. But, I mean, I had so many people comment and contact me, or when they did contact me, want to work with me, like, oh, I just love the fact that you're willing to share that. You know, just be vulnerable and just share your mistakes because to me, like, we all make mistakes, right? It's just a, one of me admitting you made a mistake and what you learned from it. And that's the whole point. It wasn't to say I lost $5,000. It was <laughs> to like, hey, I lost $5,000. Here's what I learned from it so right. that you don't make the same stupid mistake yeah. that I did. Yeah. You know, so always use those experiences as teaching moments for others. Yeah. So important. I, I love that. I, I, I think that being vulnerable, and there's boundaries, but being vulnerable is the best way to, to connect and then therefore teach. So it, I, I think that's great that you share um, that. Tell us about Wealth Hacker Labs because good, good financial sense has been what you've been, what you kind of started with. Yeah. Essentially, Wealth Hacker Labs is a newer. Yeah, that's like the new venture. It's like yeah. the next chapter in the uh, the Jeff Rose Exciting life. Exciting times. Yeah. So it was kind of like so good financial sense. You know that has. Uh, I mean, I like the name, but it's a little. I'd say generic. You know, it's like very <laughs> safe. It's very personal finance. And for me, like I started it initially as a marketing tool for the practice. You know, it just ended up becoming this behemoth of a, an online business, you know. So in this next phase, you know, it's like, man, I'm not a, I'm not a financial planner anymore. You know, like I'm, I'm still going to be a CFP. I'm going to keep that title, but I'm not working with clients one-on-one. And the other part, like, man, what else do I stand for? And Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was one of the books that had the biggest impact on my life. And, but with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, if you read that, like it gets you really excited, you know, it gives you some good foundation, some good fundamentals, but it doesn't tell you what to do exactly. You know, it mentions MLM, you know, multi-level marketing, which I tried and didn't work for me, but uh, didn't give me anything else to do. So I began this journey of like just trying a bunch of different things. So now it's like, uh, oftentimes people come to me, they want to know, like, how did you build this it's not so much the practice like i have advisors asking me how i did it but most people want to know like how did you grow your online business or how did you invest to where you've you've got to where you are today and i just got really excited about trying to find the 20 year old version of me you know that's read rich dad poor dad or four hour work week or whatever like it's read something and they want to start something new they just don't know what that is yeah so to give them a like a blueprint a roadmap to get there faster and just to show people that there is a faster way to grow wealth, uh, accelerated wealth building. And I think the tagline I finally came up with is like, you know, teaching people a new way to grow wealth that is not taught to you in schools or by your parents, because, you know, we're all taught to like sign up for your 401k and invest for the long term, which is great. You know I mean? Yeah. If you start investing $200 a month, like you will become a millionaire by the time you're 60. It's fantastic. You can be a multimillionaire, but why not become a millionaire when you're 30 or 35 or 40? And what are the steps that I took to do that that are different that's when being, it's being taught you know, in the personal finance space? And the cool thing about being an online entrepreneur is that I've met so many other people that have built wealth a whole lot faster than everybody else, but they've done it a slightly different way. Hmm. You know, so Wealth Hacker to me represents my journey but also I want to be able to bring in other people to share their experiences, to show people, hey, there is, I mean, I, you kind of mentioned there on the, the mom, like there's more than one way to do it. Like there's more than one way to grow your wealth. Uh, but the, you know, some of the key things is like you got to try. You got to put yourself out there. You got to right. be surrounded by people that are going to lift you up, inspire you, and, and motivate you and push you. 
Um, if not, otherwise, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, to become a millionaire by the time you retire, that's great. Like, that's your calling. That's what you want to do. That's fine. But I just ch- challenge people, like, maybe there's something different out there. That's great. So you guys have a Wealth Hacker podcast, right? We will by the time people listen to this. You will. Yeah. All right. So be on the lookout for that and, and go subscribe to that. How else can people access Wealth Hacker? Yeah. The, the, the channel, the YouTube channel is by far like the main thing that I do yeah. uh, with the Wealth Hacker brand right now and just uh, loving, loving the YouTube world. Yeah. And what type of content can people find on, on your channel? Uh, so typically it's either uh, content that I'm sharing uh, every Wednesday. I do like a wealth hack tip, like a wealth hack Wednesday, just sharing something that uh, that I, I've learned along the way. I'm actually now bringing on other people to kind of share what their wealth hack tips are. I like to bring in interviews with people uh, just from different genres and different niches uh, on that, um, just share their experiences, share their journeys. Um, so, yeah, just anything we can. And it's, it's any, anything from investing to online business to entrepreneurship to, you know, wealth hacking mindset. I mean, a lot of different stuff. Um, it's like one of those things you don't realize, like, I've met so many amazing people that have, have had such an impact on my life. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking to somebody that hasn't had that experience, like, it's almost like I forget, like, how amazing and life-changing that was. That I know it, but th- these people don't, you know? It's so, like, I love that I can share a bit of that story to hope to have some of the impact that it had on me and share that with them, you know, through a video or a blog post. Wow. Uh, are you ready for some Q and A? Yeah. Uh, uh, should be worried. Do I need to stretch first? Or? Well, <laughs> the, the audience does bring some heavy hitters, uh, every now and then. Um, I do want to start off. I read that you can deadlift over 500 pounds or 500. Uh, pounds. yeah. Is I this, mean, is this current? I don't know if it's current. This, is this expired? It's, it's, I mean, I am 40 now. Um, I think the last <laughs> time I was, I did like 455, but, uh, back in the day, <laughs> 515 was the PR. It's on YouTube, so it's, it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, all right, so let's just jump right in here. <clears throat> we'll start with an easy one. Okay. This is from G Walker, Georgie Walker. Uh, she wants to know um, what your favorite ice cream flavor is. <laughs> so uh, it'd be uh, some sort of double chocolate brownie or something like that. Chocolate, I mean, <laughs> chocolate, but fudge, fudge brownie. Yeah, fudge brownie. Okay. Great flavor. Um, let's see. The right stuff Duff wants to know the best method for paying off debt. The best method is to cut your spending. Uh, first, you got to figure out what got you into debt in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like identify what are your characteristics, your behaviors that got you there. And then just be ruthless and just cut everything, all cut all the crap and just pay it off as fast as you can. I mean, if you are in debt and you're working your 40 hours a week and complaining, like, well, what are you doing the other 20 hours a week? Like, how serious are you on paying off debt? So Uber, Lyft, weekend jobs, Starbucks, whatever, sell your crap, cut your cut your spending on your crap, and just take all that and pay off that debt. Are you an advocate for no credit cards? Um no, no, I'm a, I'm a, so that's where like Dave Rams and I would, would differ. And he's very much cut up your credit cards. I'm very much like I use the credit cards as a tool, you know, to, for one, and like all the different businesses we have, it separates our finances, but yeah. the, the point, I love the points. I love when, uh, like it was, I think it was, I guess now it was three years ago. You know, I took us uh, before we had our daughter, my wife and our three boys went to Jamaica you know, on vacation and like all airfare was covered, you know, through our reward points. Like, and that's, we use our cards, pay them off every single month. Um, and it's like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I'm not, I'm not anti-credit cards, but I am an advocate for make sure that you pay them off. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> one of Sean and I's biggest arguments was I had a brother go through Dave Ramsey's financial peace university and he's 
a heavy advocate for cutting up the credit cards and zero debt. And that's not the mindset that I had, but I was like, I was, I was talking to Sean. I was like, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting strategy to be more cognizant of how we're spending our money. Like if you don't have credit cards and you pay everything in cash, you're probably a little more aware of how you're spending that money. And so I, I said, you know, maybe, maybe we cut up our credit cards and that did not, that did not, that did not end well. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't try that one again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for, for some people, maybe that's needed for others. Maybe not. Um, Nadine Neal wants to know your thoughts on real estate rentals as investment strategy. Yeah. I think that's, as long as you know what you're doing and you got a finger on the marketplace, uh, I mean, you could do rental property, like you can do Airbnb, it definitely can work, but I mean, just know what you're getting yourself into. Know, make sure you got a, a good purchase price. Make sure you're working with a good realtor. But I, I know certain people that have a lot of success with it. But you also can get burned <laughs> yeah. pretty quick if you don't know what you're doing. So just make sure you, like, you've got somebody leading you through that process if you are a newbie. I think that's. I think that's. When in doubt, always get advice. Yeah. Get expert advice. I yeah. would say. Um, and then Danny one thousand five Z. Wants to know your thoughts on investing in Bitcoin slash cryptocurrency. <laughs> FOMO. Um, I just, I, I mean, I'm not saying eventually it will be a, a worthwhile investment, but obviously, like, it was all craze. It was like, oh, you got to get in now. Bitcoin's going to 100,000. It's so funny because when I really got into YouTube last year, I mean, every time I did something on investing, all the commenters, crypto, 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 oh crypto. Gosh, yeah. And it's just, and I was being bashed because I just didn't believe in it. And not saying I didn't believe in it as like a potential, but I'm like, eventually maybe, but we're probably still a couple of years out before it's something of substantial value. And uh, I just laugh because everybody that bought crypto or bought Bitcoin, you know, at 12,000, 16,000, whatever, like those prices now, and I'm not sure what's at now. I'm not saying it can't get there eventually, yeah. but it's like, who really missed out? Like, yeah. no, nobody's missed on anything yet. It's, uh, Gosh, it, that was that was a cra- last year was crazy as far as that goes. I had I had a lot of teammates saying, "Oh, you know, I, I invested X amount and now it's five X, and you know, if this keeps going this way for the next ten years, I'll be <laughs> a billionaire or whatever." And it's like, man, ifs are ifs are tough to to back up. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good advice. Uh, well, I want to know about what you're most excited about now. What are you most excited about now? What are your goals? You've built. I mean. I was looking at your resume. You've done everything under the sun. You went from being a soldier to actually working in a financial practice, I guess, to now um, transitioning that into online. And now you're self-proclaimed internet marketer. Yeah, Not self-proclaimed, but you know that's that's what you're doing. What are your goals? Now? Yeah, I think I'm I'm really excited. Be, uh, just now, like I can work. I'm always been to work what I want, but I've just been really more diligent about making sure that the family is a priority. You know, that if I, my oldest son gets home at three and I, I still fall in that mindset of like, oh, I have to be busy. I need to be doing something, you know, cause it's three o'clock in the afternoon and everybody else is working. Like I need to be working. And now it's like when he comes home from school, like I just love the fact that I can sit down and talk to him for like 20, 30 minutes just about his day or any questions he has about NBA basketball and when the NFL draft is like all these random questions. I'm like, dude, I don't know, <laughs> but I just love the fact that he asked me, you know, just we have that conversation. Um, so just like me being more diligent and um, being able to be laser focused when I need to be, but also recognize like I don't have to do work today. Like I can give myself the freedom to like, it's a Thursday. I don't have to do anything. Like I can just take the time off. So really excited about that. But then whenever I am laser focused, uh, the whole wealth hacker 
that brand and what I'm trying to build there, like that, it just gets me super jazzed because I have like this crazy vision and I, I haven't really been able to articulate it yet because I've really been praying about it. And it sounds a little bit self, self-absorbing, but it was like, man, if I could, if I could <laughs> show like a, a million people or maybe it was a thousand people, like a thousand people to become millionaires, actually not millionaires, but actually make a million dollars. And also show them in that process, you know, one of the things you mentioned, my principles, like to give back, you know, so it's like a thousand people to make a million dollars and they actually tithe or give 10% away. You know, it's like, man, like we would give, and I forgot the number, it was like, you know, like $10 billion or something crazy, right? And if I could show people to do that, like how much impact would that have like on the world and other people? But it's just like to say, like, I want to show a thousand people to become millionaires or a hundred thousand people to become millionaires. Like it sounds a little... (laughs) you know, and then they all buy Lamborghinis and, you know, like, so it's like, I'm just trying to figure out how do I, how do I express that in a way that the motivation is not really to to create millionaires, but it's to create people that are willing to give, you know, to give back and to give their time and to, to donate. So like, just really excited about that. And just know that between my personal experience and the people that I've been able to connect with and even a lot of people that, you know, like, like there's so much wisdom there, you know, that yeah. can be given out. And man, if I could show somebody to achieve what I've achieved, like five years earlier or 10 years earlier, like that's just, I mean, they're just, it's just good stuff. Yeah. I was just about to ask, um, you know, not every financial advisor would, um, talk about the giving back portion or the tithing portion, but it seems to be a key point that, that you touch on. And I think that's really important. It, is that fully, um, founded in your faith uh it all goes back to my nanny you know she was always yeah. about like hardcore tithing um so yeah that, it, that's how it all started and it's just exciting you know um it's exciting so just um wasn't mentioned here but like i i did sell like a mini- uh, minority stake of my blog and um got a very large check and it was such an amazing blessing to be able to write a check you know, for more than I made, like in my three years of being a financial advisor mm. and, but not just to write the check, but for the first time ever, cause it was a big amount. And usually I can just tie and not really think much about it, you know, but with this one, like I, I really intentionally prayed about like, God, like where, where do you want this money to go? Like, because we had just started a new church. We still had our church back in Illinois that we we're still very close to. And, and it was just funny because it was like a Sunday service that I've been praying about for almost like a week or two. And then like, just in that service, like it just was revealed to me on the offering envelope, like where the money was to go. Wow. Um, our, our church, now we go, they have a, a fatherless campaign, you know, like for orphanages and adoption. It's like, you know, adoption is very close to our heart. And I, I wasn't aware of that, I guess, up until then. And it was like, anyway, it was just like one of those cool things. Like, all right. Like it just shows like, man, just praying about something and, and just God revealing that to you. And it was like, oh, there it is. Like right there. It was just so clear where that money was to go. Um, so just really excited about that. And just to share, share that with others, you know, to be able to do that in faith. And, um, it's, it's so funny. Cause like I see people that it's easier for them to do it when they're like struggling in debt, you know, like, cause like God's provided and he's going to get me out of this. But man, when you start making a lot more money, you know, 10% off like a thousand dollars is a lot different than 10% off a thousand or a hundred thousand or a million. It's like, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. Like, uh, so it's just something that uh, I've had to continue to pray about and, you know, just Manny and I had to work through that, you know, just to pray and to give back and tithe and all that good stuff. Yeah. Do you have any, what's the m- book you most recommend to people to read about maybe finances specifically? Um, 
you know, finances, I, I still go back. I, I do love Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. You know, like that was a book that just really like the, the baby steps, you know, to get people, you know, because I remember the time I read that book, like, I don't think we even had, or we just had like a thousand dollars, you know, in our, our yeah. savings. I didn't have a savings account. Like when I got married to Mandy and I used to balance my checking account by going to the ATM and taking withdrawal and seeing how much I had left, you know, and praying that there was enough to cover. So I love that as like a basics uh, book. But, um, I also, like I mentioned earlier, like Rich Dad Poor Dad, I think was just, an amazing book just to learn about the cash flow quadrant, you know, and going from an employee to self-employed to being a business owner, then going to an investor, you know, that was just like a mindset that I didn't, didn't know, you know, my, my parents weren't business owners. They weren't, they didn't really invest. They really couldn't teach that to me. So it was just to, to show a, a, that there was another way, you know, so um, just with the wealth hacker, that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, we'll have a, you know, working on my next book that uh, trying to be the next rich dad, poor dad type thing. But uh, those two big, those two books had, I think, the biggest impact for me. I think it helped a lot of people as yeah. well. And you do have a book, Soldiers of Finance. Soldier of Finance, Soldier of Finance. Um, was the, the first book that I wrote. And uh, somehow I was able to write a book. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. What, what can people find in that book? Um, so that really just shares, like, the journey of, you know, just showing people. Because I – so what I didn't mention in my timeline here was I went to – joined the guard, you know, got my butt together, went to school, um, and got my degree. But what didn't happen in that time frame was my spending and my money management skills were poor. <laughs> and even though I joined the guard and had all my schooling paid for my junior, senior year of college, like I took out student loans, didn't have to, but I could. And, you know, I think at the time I was allowed to take out like $11,000 a year, you know, so like $22,000 student loan debt plus credit cards I was taking out. Uh, I remember I, th- I had a, a girlfriend at the time, like I co-signed for her to get her credit card, you know, $10,000 limit that I was on the hook for. Just all these things. And a lot of that was because of my dad, you know, because that was the one thing that he couldn't pass wisdom on to me. And in fact, I remember one of the, his financial lessons to me, well, I told him I wanted something. I don't remember what it was exactly, but he's like, oh, why don't you just open your credit card? That way you can get it. Hmm. That's what he told me to do. So I did it. And then I got that thing and the next thing and the next thing. And next thing I know, you know I've got like over $30,000 of, of debt. Uh, and it's just, it's just like, how did that, how did that happen? You know? Um, so that was just, yeah. So joining the guard helped me get my butt together, but I still was struggling with money. Um, so that's why I needed, needed that. Yeah. Let's close with three lessons that you've learned in all your experiences that you think would be valuable for the audience to hear. Yeah, I think the I think the big thing for me, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is you know not letting your past, especially your past failures, your your past uh, things that didn't quite work out, define who you are today. And you, you mentioned the penny stocks, you know, uh, me losing five thousand uh, dollars, me being thirty thousand dollars of student loan debt, me being a college dropout. Like I could have used all of that and just said, well, that's who I am. You know, I'm a college dropout. Mm-hmm. I'm in debt, just like my dad. And just let all those things define who I am today. Uh, I had another thing after the penny stock. Like I was going to do this other business like with my blog. And it was like an $8,000 investment that went absolutely nowhere because I didn't do enough research to find out more about it. And it's actually for the longest time, my wife kept bringing that up. Like, remember that time? But it was just a reminder. Like, all right, I get very excited about things. Um, so make sure you take, take a breath, you know, take some time before you actually dive into anything. But man, if I just would let all of those like define who I was 
today, like I wouldn't have taken action on so many other things that led to a lot other amazing things. So don't let your past, you know, don't let your past failures define who you are today. Fantastic, man. That's really, really great. I appreciate the time, Jeff. Some really good words. Appreciate um, you sharing all that you did. And I look forward to seeing our relationship grow. So me too, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found today's interview valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can also share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. And please head over to my website at www.andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. Feel free to connect with me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew D. East. And thank you again. We hope to see you next time on Redirected.